Hello, my name is Ari Redboard. Welcome to TRM Talks. TRM Talks is brought to you by TRM Labs, the leading provider of blockchain intelligence and anti-money laundering software. Today, we have incredibly exciting TRM Talks for you. It is the very first in a new series, TRM Talks Policy Roundtable with TRM's policy team. And um, just really, really uh, kind of excited to dig in to the, you know, biggest policy questions, issues of the day, particularly as we roll into 2023. So really, without further ado, um, I am going to go ahead and kick things off and we can learn a little bit about our our panel kind of as we proceed. Uh, Isabella Chase uh, in London, kind of leading our efforts uh, around policy in, in the UK and uh, the EU. Um, let's start macro. What are sort of the, 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 the big picture issues that are top of mind today for regulators, for you, um, before we kind of really dig into sort of a more regional conversation. Thanks so much, Ari, and it's it's great to be here for the first TRM Talks policy. Um, as we move into 2023, I think inevitably it's going to be even busier than 2022, if that was possible. Um, and there's going to be multiple macro themes that are going to shape the year ahead, both for international standard setters, but also for national governments. I think one of the main things we saw in 2022 was that despite various nation states moving ahead with their own uh, frameworks for crypto, it's becoming increasingly important that we set some form of international principles to steer both nation states, but also the crypto industry in uh, in regulation, because ultimately we have a really cross-border technology here. So ensuring some sort of collaborative principle-based approach is going to be really crucial um, as we move forward. I think in 2023, uh, the Indian presidency of the G20 will offer a really interesting opportunity to have some of those conversations. And towards the end of 2022, we did see that group signal that uh, 23 would be a a good time for the group to think about that global response. And that will also be informed by lots of ongoing work, predominantly led by the Financial Stability Board on thinking about international principles, um, and increasingly also the IMF, who we see moving into this space. So I think continuing to think about how can we ensure a really cohesive global approach to uh, digital assets is going to be a big theme for 2023. Yeah, no, no, no. Awesome. And totally agreed. I, uh, it's interesting when I've sort of been thinking about what, what 2023 has in store, it really is this idea of at a minimum sort of more consistent regulatory frameworks across jurisdictions. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't think any of us are naive enough to believe we'll have global regulation for, for crypto because we've never had global regulation for anything. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, when you can move funds cross border at the speed of the internet, you need, you know, jurisdictions to collaborate and cooperate and have consistency across them. Business also needs consistency, right? What we hear from clients every day is, hey, we need to understand, the, have more clarity. And and that's something we'll, we'll get into Mika a little bit later, but that's something that hopefully Mika brings at least in a European um, setting. Uh, Angela, ju jumping to you here, 
Um, a, do you agree with all of that? And uh, and B, sort of what what is sort of the the macro issues that are sort of most top of mind for you as we roll into twenty twenty three? Yeah, hundred um, percent agree. I I think that you know this need for global consensus is rising precisely because the events of twenty twenty two have shown regulators all over the world that there's a need for certainty, there's a need for bespoke regulation in this in the industry, and it it needs to come now. So that's kind of driving that that um, you know impetus for global consensus, and I think in you know the industry itself has has recognized that some of these events have shaken the trust in in the industry as well, and and that you know regulation plays a part in rebuilding that, um, especially around this theme of consumer protection, um, and I think that you know is another kind of macro issue that regulators all around the world will be focusing on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's impossible to sort of, you know, when you to, to talk about this without a mention of FTX here, because it really has driven some of the conversation leading up to the end of the year. Um, it's interesting. It's this really interesting dichotomy, right? It 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 was not a cryptocurrency business in the sense of sort of DeFi or true peer-to-peer transactions. This was more akin to a centralized financial institution, um, you know, the where 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 fraud occurred, where there was a lack of corporate controls, corporate governance. And um, but what's so interesting is when it has a label of its cryptocurrency business, regulators are galvanized to sort of react and are, are and have a lot of pressure on them to react. And we're sort of seeing some of this play out. But I do think sort of the more interesting stuff, and we'll dig into this in a moment, is sort of like what do what what does regulation looks like in a post FTX world, in a more centralized world where people are sort of transacting peer to peer. How can regulators sort of craft thoughtful regulation? around that. And certainly, um, I think that'll be a big theme for 2023. I think it would have been more of a big theme pre-FTX. I think we'll see how much sort of lag there is from sort of what what happened there. Um, Angela, staying with you for a moment, um, I know that there's a lot of sort of diversity of of, of views and, and regulatory frameworks throughout um, Asia Pacific, but sort of digging into some of the macro issues that you mentioned, right? Like a focus on consumer protection, investor protection. What are you actually seeing um, at a sort of state or, or regional level? Yeah, I think, you know, the one theme that is common throughout this very diverse region with where regulation is really at various stages of development is that you can expect new regulation in most of the key markets and that a lot of this action is going to center around consumer protection. I think that's a kind of recurring theme that we've been hearing from regulators in the region. And, you know, if I can just dig down a little bit further and go into a country focus um there's a lot happening and i can and i'll start here in singapore where we have a digital asset regulatory framework that's already quite well established um the mas here has out, actually already outlined their user protection measures um enhanced user protection measures that they intend to introduce and that's gone through consultation and i think we can expect to see a set of draft guidelines together with mas's response to the industry feedback now, the, the measures that have been proposed, uh, they're actually quite extensive. So things like having retail investors pass a knowledge test in order to onboard into a crypto exchange, um, you know, putting an end to sign up incentives for new retail customers, these kind of cu- quite significantly curtail retail participation. And so we have seen some pushback from the industry. But at the same time, I think the industry has also acknowledged that you know, some form of user protection measures are coming and they are preparing for it. 
So, so that's a big theme in Singapore market. Just, just and stopping the you other, there, just yep. stopping you there real quickly, like staying in Singapore, because I know there's so much going on out there. Um, MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, is really sort of the regulator for um, for, for, for Singapore. So you don't have these sort of competing regulatory interests or frameworks like you do here in the United States with the SEC and the CFTC. Really, uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore is a central bank. They're dealing with anti-money laundering. And really, you're right. I mean, there was this huge focus in 2022 on consumer protection around advertising. And you mentioned sort of, you know, engaging with retail customers and consumer protection. Um, but it's, it, it is really interesting to see. And the fact that you're saying that that's going to kind of you know, now expand into 2023, I think is really interesting. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the MES has the advantage of being that integrated regulator. So looking across all the different asset classes, they are able to, you know, apply some of the learnings from TradFi where things like consumer protection or even corporate governance are, are more developed and, and kind of apply that uh, to, to the digital asset uh, landscape, you know, what kind of market conduct issues they should be looking at and, and, and what kind of measures that we want to introduce. I think, like you mentioned earlier, some of these issues are not kind of unique to the digital asset space. So th there are learnings from TradFi um, that, that we do see being applied um, in terms of the measures that, they are, being, that are being rolled out um, in, in Singapore. Staying with you in the region for a moment. So, what, 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 where else are the, where are the places that are top of mind? I mean, there's so many places, and everyone is working on crypto regulation today, digital assets. But, um, where are the other sort of few places that you're, that you're, we, we should expect a lot of activity in 2023? Yeah. So, I think there are a couple of interesting markets. Um, Australia, Hong Kong, Korea, all of these have uh, said that they're going to introduce vast uh, licensing regimes this year. And all three have talked about consumer protection. But in terms of how does that look like um, implementation, implementation-wise, we'll need to wait and see. So we in Hong Kong, that's the most advanced. They've actually already set out kind of their licensing regulatory framework, and that's set to go live this March. Um, and at the same time, you know, the financial secretary just kind of reiterated uh, uh, Hong Kong's ambition to actually develop itself as a hub for crypto innovation. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of approach that balance between regulation and innovation um, in Hong Kong. And, and then, you know, moving slightly north to Korea, you know, we have the Digital Asset Basic Act that has been in the works for a while. But, you know, we see a kind of fresh determination to push it forward post the terror and FTX incidents. So it could very well be moved into law this year. And on the enforcement side, the Korean FIU is also continuing its momentum. Last year, they shut down 16 illegal exchanges. And now they've started to look into native tokens and Korean exchanges because um, we've seen how native assets, they, they were kind of like a big factor behind the terror and FTX collapses. So the third one, Australia, down under, is also going to be very busy, I think. Um, the new government, they've just completed their token mapping um, exercise to kind of understand the state of play for crypto in-country. And then now they've committed to a, a pretty big task of actually introducing a dedicated regulatory framework by this year. Um, so so that, that will be one to watch. And, you know, we're also seeing an increased um, consumer protection narrative from ASIC, which has already identified crypto-related misconduct as one of its enforcement priorities for this year. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in Australia. Again, the government has said they want to balance innovation and regulation. So, uh, so I think, you know, these are kind of like three markets that, 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 that we'll see a lot of action in the coming year. 
Absolutely awesome answer. And uh, I think it, your, your answer really goes to the heart of what we want this show to be for people. And that is sort of, you know, really uh, sort of a, a crossfire at learning as much sort of about these different frameworks globally. And we'll, we will dig into them in TRM talks uh, over the course of this year in places like Australia, Singapore, um, the UK and the, you know, EU. So it's, it, it, this is really an opportunity, I think, to get into as much of this as we can and just really cool to hear. And look, I mean, you didn't even mention Japan, which we're, we're, we've always seen activity out of the JFSA. Yeah. They co-chaired the Financial Action Task Force Virtual Asset Contact Group that I know Isabella is going to talk about in a bit. But like, that's how much is going on in the region. I mean, uh, I, I feel like every day, I, I know every week in the weekly roundup, we do something on Australia, something on Singapore. It's really, it's really wild to see. And um, I think what I'm hearing from from you is that a lot of that will continue into 2023. Um, let's go across the world, Isabella. Um, let's, uh, what, what are the, what are the sort of, uh, micro sort of, you know, government level issues that you are, um, really focused on, um, you know, over the course of the next few months, early 2023? Sure. So, um, I cover both sides of the channel for TRM. So let, let's start in, um, the British Isles in the UK. In, and, I, and I'm talking hot off the heels from a Treasury Select Committee hearing earlier this week where Andrew Griffiths, the city minister, sat down with um, MPs and really, I think for the first time, laid out in as much detail as we've ever had what the UK is going to do with crypto asset regulation this year. And really, it's going to be about the what with the idea of moving to the how um, later in this year and early in 2024. So um, what we found out is that following the um, ascent of the Financial Services and Markets Bill, which was the work of 2022 and should be passed summer this year, um, we'll be able to build on that piece of legislation with some with a with a real uh, regulatory framework. Um, and that's going to be informed by a couple of consultations that we were aware of already. One looking at uh, the role of central bank digital currencies in the UK, whether or not we have a viable uh, retail use case. Um, it seems like the government is very is convinced of a wholesale settlement use case, but we're going to find out more details on that when that consultation uh, emerges. And then our second consultation, which is going to look much more broadly at uh, the regulation of the digital asset sector. Uh, an interesting slip that uh, Andrew Griffiths um, added to his hearing was that this is definitely going to cover DeFi. Um, and he makes the point that this is uh, something that Mika doesn't do over uh, in Europe. So um, it's an interesting point around being not necessarily first, but being he doesn't want to be first. He wants to be right. So um, we're hearing a really determined tone, I think, coming out of uh, the UK government that this is the year where we really, really think in a collaborative way uh, between the industry and the government about how do we get this regulatory framework right uh, so that it is proportionate and and yet still attractive to try and grow an industry in the UK. Um of course, it's not. We're not just looking at broader frameworks in the UK. Uh, we're also going to be doing a lot of work on combating uh, illicit finance in the digital asset space this year. We've seen uh, recent announcements in the press uh, that are both our national police force, the NCA, and our London-based police force, the Metropolitan Police, are both launching specialist units to tackle crypto crime. Um, and I think across the country, we really see that. Uh, acknowledgement that we need to upskill and uh, build capacity in, in combating illicit finance. 
to Angela's points, I mean, consumer protection as, as well is a huge focus in the UK. We are a global hub uh, for frauds and scams and uh, tackling these will be a really big focus as, as well for the government. We'll be looking out for the UK's first counter fraud strategy um, and looking if that has any focus on digital assets, but then much more broadly, um, as, as Angela was saying, on any uh, measures to combat uh, these issues, especially through financial promotions. One thing I'm hearing, which is just fun, and honestly, from both of you, and this is kind of why I love this team, is I think when we were talking to Angela, we heard a lot about sort of what what how a former regulator or regulator would be sort of viewing the space. Um, Angela's former Monetary Authority of Singapore for many years uh, has thought sort of about these issues. Really, what we're hearing from you, a financial crime expert, years at RUSI, uh, sort of working on these issues is a real focus on sort of those issues, which is really fun to see sort of that expertise play out. But I did not mean to stop you. So apologies. I was just all excited. That's okay. Um, so yes, and 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 we'll also see uh, the implementation of the travel rule in the UK in September. So we've got a sort of a quite a progressed I think counter illicit finance policy agenda when it comes to digital assets, and then a real pause where we're looking at the foundations of the broader financial regulations related to, to digital assets, um, a conversation that will take most of the year. Of course, it is important to note that um, it is not necessarily all going to be plain sailing for policy in the UK. We have um, a really stretched public sector at the moment and a really packed policy agenda. So ensuring that um, this digital asset regulatory response has the uh, the oxygen that it needs is going to be uh, an important focus, I think, for the industry this year. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and there's this dynamic with Europe, which I think is just is very interesting in all, all things Britain today, uh, you know, in, in many respects. But um, it, it, I think the other thing that's sort of been interesting is there's been so much talk over the last year about the UK really becoming a hub and leaning into, you know, a, a, you know, sound policy that can lead to sort of business and sort of like how that all plays out. And I think you, you see a lot of similarities in Singapore in that respect, um, right? We, we saw the, um, we saw uh, Mr. Menon's speech around, um, no to crypto speculation, yes to responsible innovation. And do I have that right? Or is it the opposite, Angela? Pretty much, yes to digital asset innovation, no to cryptocurrency speculation. Absolutely, my favorite speech of the yeah. year because I think it really yeah. sort of nailed how do you walk that fine line between sort of you know thoughtful regulation uh, without stifling innovation. And I think you're seeing the exact same thing play out right now in the UK. And I think they've done some pretty you know interesting things around unhosted wallets and trying to really, you know, um, thread that needle. Um, similarly in the EU, although I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to happen sort of on the heels of Mika, but talk us through sort of where we, where we go from here. Of course. Um, but just before I do, lastly yeah. on the UK, we are no longer a crypto hub or wanting to be a crypto hub. We want to be the home of a well-regulated crypto industry is uh, exactly what the city minister said. So I think that's a really interesting shift in tone. Um, but, you know, I think just really uh, is, is going to be very reflected across different geographies in 23. So, yes, looking at the other side of the channel, um, you know, I think really the, Europe has sought through the what and now they're thinking through the how. 
So what we will see this year is, um, after the finalization of the text of Mika is now the level two activities. So we hand the text over to um, bodies like ESMA, the European Securities and Markets Authority, to write the requirements and technical standards for the 300 pages of uh, legislation that, that Mika gave us. This is will cover so many different things um, from the very literal, what is the design of the different forms to submit information, for example, on your white paper or your governance structure, if you're a crypto asset service provider, to thinking about how do I document my um, asset reserves if I'm, a, if I'm an asset reference token, uh, more commonly referred to as a stable coin. So there's a huge amount of technical work that will happen this year. It will happen throughout the entirety of the year. Um, and we should expect some consultations from these groups in the latter half of the year um, where people can input on, on these really technical points. Um, more broadly, it's sort of a member state level. We're going to see uh, member states moving to really a point within uh, their countries, the competent authority who's going to be responsible for Mika authorization and licensing. Many, like France, will have quite an established process already for this. But um, of course, all member states are at different levels of uh, sort of their approach to digital assets. So lots of work there. Um, and also, you know, from a firm uh, perspective, firms should start thinking now if I want to be operating under Mika in Europe. Where do I want to be? I'm going to have to have a physical presence. I'm going to have to establish an office. And I'm going to have to start thinking about what is likely to be quite a drawn out licensing process. So we're really going to see that movement towards the how um, this year in Europe under Mika. Um, we're still very much, at, though, at the what stage when it comes to financial crime. Um, we'll see the continued progress of the anti-money laundering package, um, which will be moving through the parliament this year ahead of the trilogues. Um, and here we're really keeping an eye on the anti-money laundering regulation, which is the piece of the package that uh, applies mainly to the private sector, um, which will bring in a, a wide range of, of um, requirements for crypto asset service providers and really anyone who is designated under Mika. So there's not a lot going on in Europe then for 2023 on crypto. Yeah, no big deal. I mean, that's before we even talk about the tax changes under DAC8 um, and a, a number of, of other um, yeah. directives as well. It's interesting. I mean, you know, when when people would ask sort of what are the big stories of 2022, clearly in my mind, in terms of just pure regulation or policy, making it, Mika is, is is top of the list. So if, if, if sort of passage or agreement on Mika is the 2022 story, really 2023 is about implementation and what that could ultimately look like and what member states it's going to work for, what are not, what are going to really become sort of uh, responsible crypto destinations as part, like leaning leaning into that framework. So I think there's just, there's a lot of questions around that. And I, I think really, really excited um, to, to sort of see how it develops and see how different states really stand out in terms of their ability to regulate in the space. Um, you know, you know, outside of these sort of very specific areas of focus or at least regional focus, is there a place, Angela, that you look around in the world, you throw a dart at a map and say like, this is someplace that really interests me today in terms of what, to, what, what I might see in 2023? 
Yeah, um, Ari, actually it's interesting you mentioned Japan earlier and I think that's interesting, not so much from what is going to be done but what has been done. Um, I think they got ahead of the game in terms of regulation because they had, you know, the Mount Gox and the uh, coin check hacks in 2014-2017 and, and, and they kind of reaped the rewards of that when FTX hit because the in-country asset custody and standalone legal um, entity um, approach was really validated when FTX Japanese customers were one of the first groups to actually be close to fully paid out. And 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 I think we're going to see a lot of other regulators look in that direction as well. And then in Japan, they, they have room now to look at things like tax reforms and even reviewing the token listing process, as well as, you know, implementing the travel rules. So I, I think I think that's kind of interesting um, from the perspective of a model that that more regulators will be looking towards. And, and then also um, the Middle East is another one to watch, Abu Dhabi and Dubai. I think um, those will be really interesting because they have in place kind of dedicated vast regulatory frameworks and resources. And, and we've also seen kind of quite, quite heightened interest from industry players in terms of expanding their presence in these financial centers. Um, so I think we will see more global action in the Middle East, and it will be interesting to hear from the likes of the ADGM as well as the Dubai Vara um, on their priorities um, as, as they kind of develop as global hubs. And then when I say the word global, of course, you know, this is not really a country, but I, I think, you know, the global the global narrative, the global consensus that um, forums like FATF, G20, IOSCO, a lot of regulators will be closely following that um, because of this call for regulatory alignment and coordination. And and um and I think um that will also be uh, a key one to watch. Um but uh you know what what do you guys think <laughs> Isabella or Ari? Yeah, no, I I think I think you make great, great points there. And it's it really is impossible to have a conversation around crypto uh policy today without talking about um the United Arab Emirates, UAE. Um you mentioned VARA, the Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, the very first uh, regulator globally that is dedicated solely to digital assets, right? ADGM is one of the few places we've seen some really thoughtful um, thought leadership around how to regulate in the DeFi space or what that potentially means. So like just so much interesting stuff. So I think great, great call out. Um, Isabella, what what are you thinking outside of um, outside of Europe and, and the UK? Yeah, well, Angela mentioned it, but um, if any, if you know me, you know that I am a real FATF geek. So not a country, but a collection of countries. Um, and I will, as always, be closely following the work of FATF and the FATF Virtual Asset Consultative Group this year. Um, I think 2023 marks a really exciting anniversary for FATF. We're sort of a full five years on from when the very first conversations around virtual assets uh, started happening at the group. And I think with that anniversary and sort of what has become the drumbeat uh, release of the update on the implementation of FATF recommendations on virtual assets and virtual asset service providers, um, we're at a stage where we can really sort of look back and think about we've had the requirements now for a long time. What is the implementation looking like? We know from the report last year, it's not looking great. Um, we only had 11 jurisdictions saying that they are currently enforcing the travel rule. That number has to increase in 2023. But if it hasn't increased a huge amount, we have to then have some really serious conversations around how do we prevent things like a really um, 
endemic sort of sunrise issue setting in for a long period of time? How do we ensure that countries are taking um, a, a, a speedy approach to getting uh, the FATF recommendations on virtual assets right in their country? So I think that will be an interesting piece of work for FATF to look at this year. Um, but also we know from the Singaporean priorities that cyber enabled crime, including ransomware, is a big focus for FATF over the, the next two years. Um, and we'll be excited to see what um, outputs the group has for us um, involving those issues. At TRM, you know, we see we're sort of at the front line of uh, monitoring and countering ransomware. So it's um it will be great to see how FATAF as a group um can can give us more information on on that global landscape. Re really great call outs around FATF, the Financial Action Task Force. And what was what's so interesting is really, I mean, if you look back over time, 2016, 2017, FATF, um, the sort of UN of anti-money laundering was was really thinking through crypto and what crypto regulation and policy could potentially look like. I feel like now if you ask folks and we've we've had a lot of uh, of these discussions, it's implementation, implementation, implementation. Like you need to implement these standards and that's it'll be interesting to see how member states ultimately respond to that in 2023. Last question as we're sort of running out of time. Um as you look Angela into the sort of void of 2023 in the crypto world, uh what are what is what what are some themes or a theme that you're sort of really tracking and, and maybe most excited about? Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned, I think for 2023, consumer protection is going to be a good, a big one. But an, another emerging theme, I think, is this uh, broader idea of market integrity. You know, how do you kind of... Um, manage or, or, or um, prevent unfair trading practices how how do how to ensure well-functioning uh, digital asset market um that's a theme that's come out you know in ios code um and also in the recent mes consultation uh, but it's very early days and and i think the global dialogue on that is is just kind of beginning but i think it will it is an important theme post 2022 so um it'll be kind of interesting to see how that global dialogue develops. Amazing. Uh, Isabella, big, big themes or things you're excited about for, for 2023? Oh, gosh, great question. Um, It's a little bit on the horizon. Um, But for me, I mean, I think big theme of this year is going to be about building and regaining trust. I think a part of that uh, is really thinking about how do we establish trusted identities in this space? Um, you know, whether that is to meet the compliance needs of governments or to meet the privacy needs of users. I think we're going to hear more and more conversations about how we can use digital identities, probably um, underscored with zero knowledge proofs, to, in, to, um, to really answer some of those questions around compliance, making this all work in Web3, thinking about compliance uh, in within DeFi at the protocol level, and just slightly more mainstream also thinking about how can we ensure regulatory conversations are really confident around things like self-hosted wallets and the role that different forms of identity can play within uh, those compliance conversations. And of course, I think that's all really important also for combating frauds, scams, and cybersecurity weaknesses which are further eroding the trust in, in the industry. So for me, digital ID is going to be a big theme to watch. Ari, what is your big theme to watch? Re yeah, re really thoughtful answer. And I, I think, honestly, I would agree and build on that and say, yes, I think we are just starting conversations around what 
is sound policy in a truly decentralized space or in a more decentralized space. And we, I think we saw some of those conversations in 2022, many around uh, treasury sanctions on tornado cash, a decentralized mixer on Ethereum, sort of like, well, how can we do compliance uh, at the protocol layer? How can, how should we be thinking about um, doing compliance in this place? What are the risks? Are there additional risks in DeFi? And I think we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see work from the U.S. Treasury, uh, a risk assessment for uh, decentralized finance. Um, and we're going. We, we're, we're hearing about regulators globally. I don't know that we're going to get a Mika 2 on it per se, but we're already hearing sort of discussions in the European Parliament and elsewhere on um, on sort of DeFi. Um, so, you know, I, I would be remiss not to leave us with something on the U.S. here, although I think that like these, honestly, these other places, there's a lot more going on today. Um, I think, look, we're going to continue to see enforcement actions. Um, like it or not, we're going to see um, you know, great investigators build cases um, using blockchain intelligence like TRM. Um, and I think we're going to see sort of more big announcements around around that from the U.S. Justice Department and elsewhere. But that's really this executive branch focus. And that's where things have been in the U.S. for the last you know couple of years, right? We saw the White House executive order, which was one of the biggest stories, and then ultimately a White House framework. But unlike things like Mika, right, it is an executive branch framework and you need legislation, you need legal um, frameworks from from Congress, and I I, I don't think we're necessarily going to get that in 2023. I think we'll see some movement on things like stable coins, where there's building consent, there's more and more consensus around the need for reserves and stability in that, uh, for, for for lack of a better word, in that space. Um, but I think we'll see um, incremental, um, you know, policy making in the U.S. as opposed to these sort of other regions. I am running out of time. Uh, as we always do on TRM Talks. But the good news is this is going to be a regular thing. Um, so so really, really excited. Um, please sort of tune in to sort of see what our next TRM Talks is. We have a really, really special one. We got into DeFi a little bit at the end of this conversation. We're really going to dig in um, towards the end of the month with an exceptional panel. Really, really excited. Stay tuned for that. Uh, read and subscribe to the TRM uh, Weekly Roundup. It was referenced a couple times, but really is the place uh, for crypto policy and the place every week where we're putting in sort of, uh, you know, discussion on, on what we're thinking about. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And um, yeah, just everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and thank you for helping us uh, build a safer financial system. Until next time, um, have a good one, everybody.